Hello and welcome to Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, the show where we chat to industry experts to get a view of what's happening on the ground and to learn about new trends emerging across the construction industry. This show is brought to you in partnership with Place Engage, a data-driven platform for more successful public consultation and community engagement for your next development project. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Aidan Kenny, Apprenticeship Manager at the School of Architecture, Building and the Environment at TU Dublin. Aidan, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Carol, and I'm delighted to be on your show this morning. Um, we have discussed the issue um, of apprenticeships in lots of different contexts over the last year or two, so I'm really excited that we get an opportunity to talk to you today, but I feel like I almost can't start the conversation about apprenticeships without referring to the World Skills Competition that has yeah. just been held in the RDS. So, um. You might just, you know, talk to us about the experience there and then maybe tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing. Yeah, so the colleagues um, uh, in the technological university sector, the IoT sector and uh, the education and training board sector have been working uh, hard over the last year to develop uh, the Ireland Skills Competition in the RDS. Um, and they've achieved some record numbers. Over 30,000 uh, young people um, have registered and attended the competition. And there's over 30 skills on display, uh, as well as all of the education sector, the education and training board, and the employers Um have stalls setting out, uh, you know, what they do and explaining to, to young people and indeed their parents um, about different roles in both the construction industry, the engineering industry, but mainly relate to apprenticeship and skills areas. And then they've also got competitions such as catering, uh, painting and decorating, the engineering, welding, and, you know, from all of the, the modern electric cars were on display as well. Um, and I think the, the students that attended, uh, particularly the employers and, and colleagues in, in the TU sector, actually took apart the cars and showed students what was under the hood, you know. So it, it was really informative uh, for, for students and parents. So, I mean, career opportunities in construction, engineering, I mean, they're wide open for young people these days. And apprenticeship is a very accessible route where you actually get paid while you learn. Um, and that's unique. So if you're doing a degree, you have to pay your fees, you have to mm. pay, you know, your accommodation and everything else, but the apprenticeship model, uh, the employer is paying you. Um, and then when you're doing your off-the-job uh, training, uh, you're getting paid as well. So, you know, it's a good way to learn by doing, by actually experiencing the world of work and then linking the theory and practice uh, uh, together by going to education as well at the same time. And your qualification is recognised on the Irish National Qualification System and the European uh, uh, framework of qualifications as well. So when you receive your national qualifications, you have a licence. Uh, you, you, you're you a mobile worker and you can work throughout Europe. Um, so it's it's definitely an opportunity. Um, I'm delighted to see the resurgence of the apprenticeship model because I know certainly when I was in secondary school, kind of going back 20, 25 years, um, it was it was actually falling out of fashion almost at that stage with the majority of people being funneled into um into yeah. college and i suppose more academic third level um opportunities at that stage and 
And actually, we can see over the decades that dropout rates have increased, you know, that essentially it was failing to recognize the different not just uh, the different personality types that people would have, but the different styles um, where people like to learn and the different environments in which people can really thrive. And that that's quite personal, um, you know, and, and so it's something that I feel has we overcorrected in a way. And now we're starting to see this roll back. But in terms of the work that you're doing as the apprenticeship manager, um, you know, where where our apprenticeships in terms of the reputation are, are you having to convince uh secondary school students their teachers their parents you know what's the what's the awareness out there at the moment what's your starting point for this role yeah i think i think carol you're absolutely right so parents are key um to assisting of course assisting their their, their children uh you know look at careers uh look at what the options are, what's a sustainable long-term career, what career has, has benefits and, and will have financial reward. So you're absolutely right. The, the parents have a, a massive influence when a young person is making up their mind uh, to either go to a degree program, a further education and training program or an apprenticeship. And I think, in fairness, um, both the European Commission um, through the European Alliance for Apprenticeship and uh, our own minister um, uh, uh, through the Department of Foreign Higher Education, Research and Science have looked at this and they have been quite successful in promoting apprenticeship as an equally valued route. Um, and I, I think the, the minister um, has opened up tertiary education um, which allows a, a seamless transition from further education and training colleges to higher education it's outside of the point system so that allows young people to try out different areas for a year in a college of further education and then move into higher education on a degree program which is good but the Minister, um, uh, the HEA and SOLAS have been very successful in promoting apprenticeship through generation apprenticeship. Uh, and they've been so successful that the numbers of registrations have massively outstripped capacity at this stage. So we're, we're looking at, and it's a very healthy situation to be, expansion, which is really good, really good. So apprenticeship, we have 25 craft-based apprenticeships. So that's all your, your apprenticeship from uh, electricians to plumbers, carpentry and joinery, wood manufacturing, finishing, painting and decorating. So I suppose, you know, automotive trades that would be thought of as construction, engineering type of trades, you know, air, 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 aircraft maintenance and so forth. But with the new consortium approach, um, we've also got additional apprenticeship. And th these run from insurance uh, to logistics uh, to dentistry. So there's so many different new apprenticeship opportunities opening up. And also apprenticeship previously uh, could only get a qualification at level six of Air National Framework. Now, with the new consortium-based apprenticeship, you can get qualifications right up to level nine, a master's level. Um, so the opportunity for apprenticeship um, has changed completely. And I think we're moving more towards a European-style norm, whereby it's recognised 
that work-based learning, uh, uh, young people who work in in in, a, in employment are learning while they're working, and that should be recognised. And then there's a formal part where they go and learn the theory behind the practice. And I think that's really starting to catch on. Young people are starting to look at this. And they're seeing that an apprenticeship maybe just a step in. And then afterwards, we're in the European lifelong learning framework. You can go on and study and you can do your degree, you can do your master's and so forth, starting off as an apprenticeship. So the doors um, that may have been closed previously are now wide open. Um, and I think the value of apprenticeship um, and the status of apprenticeship has been really highlighted. Now, in fairness to all the employers um, who have engaged in the process, they're offering quality career paths now for apprentices. And that's unique. And that, that was something that was highlighted at the RDS uh, this week with the employer stalls. They were there. They were showing uh, young people, well, this is your career path. This is the kind of work you were doing. This is the option. So you have young electricians that are starting off working in Ireland and all of a sudden they're working in Sweden. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and it's for the same company, but that company is giving them these excellent opportunities to work in different European countries and, and indeed internationally as well, all based on the apprenticeship model. Um, and I think that suits some young people. Um, of course, uh, I, I, and it, I, of course, it makes sense that people have a different style of learning, a different way that they want to work. But I'm glad you've actually addressed their um, the perceived value and um the status of apprenticeships because that's something that had faltered so actually that that's a necessary part of the rebalancing and yes. in fact it makes absolute sense because if you look at it in the context of a quality you know a, a, a quality career a quality career involves lifelong learning nobody's coming out with a degree and that's the last thing they learn that would make them a very limited employee or team member or or um you know you're you're no longer looking at this in the context of where you've learned or what you've learned is what you bring to the workplace it has to be that that coachability that willingness to learn a little bit of independent learning on the job learning but you're that's a lifelong um and I, I don't know any career that doesn't involve that now but what I'm really curious about is we know that a career in modern construction doesn't look like what it looked like 20 or 30 years ago. How accurate, you know, when you're speaking to would-be apprentices, how accurate is their perception of what a career in construction actually is? Yeah. Yeah. So when, when I started out a, a long time ago, so I started out in, in construction Um as an apprentice, by the way, so that's 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 how I started. Um, so my view at the time was it was you know it was kind of more manual skills focus, hard work, um, and which was true at the time. But things have changed so much since then. Um, so when you go on to a modern uh, construction site, I mean, it's nothing like. It was previously health and safety is to the fore. The, the well-being of uh, uh, staff and apprentices is on employers' minds. Um, and like employers have funded different projects uh, to support the well-being of staff. Uh, uh, and they're, they're out there like the Lighthouse Project and things like that. Um, so there's, the employers are really keen from 
where I, I can see uh, to support their staff and provide support systems, not only for skills development, um, for their knowledge development, but also for their personal well-being uh, and their health and safety and work. So it's really changed. But just, just for an example, so previously uh, when you went on a building site, there was no, well, when I was there, there was no mobile phones. It's, it's a long time ago. <laughs> and we were still using chalk uh, 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 and blackboards. But nowadays, uh, an apprentice comes in, it's a completely digital environment. Yeah. Uh, their mobile phone is part of their toolbox. So in construction, BIM uh, is there. The, the apprentice uh, can log in through the phone. They can see what their, their work package is for that day. They can see if it's if it's pipe work or if it's electrical work. They can see, okay, I have to service this part of the building. So they have all the modeling and drawings on their phone. I've heard from one employer that HR, uh, when they were recruiting apprentices, would ask, um, do you play video games? And I said, that's unusual. Why would you ask that? And he said, if they play video games, they're used to the virtual environment. So if they're coming to us and they're learning how to run cables or run pipes and we're putting them in BIM or another type of virtual environment, they can see it. They can understand that environment and then they can apply it to the real situation. And I thought that's that's a very um, interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Aiden, Aiden, I'm not happy to hear that at all because actually <laughs> I thought no, and I, I'll tell I'll tell you why. We're actually recruiting. Um, we're we're involved in a project that involves um bringing proposed developments to life, and okay. uh, we were trying to tap into this secret skill set. So we were actually going off trying to hire video gamers. Um. Okay. And even experienced users, not even games developers. And we were trying to tap into those as a secret cohort. So I'm not happy to know now that the construction industry has tapped into that. But um, I, I, I love a full circle moment because I think it, it really tells the story of a, a career in construction. So you mentioned there, um, obviously, I've introduced you as the apprenticeship manager um, yeah. at the School of Architecture Building and the Environment at TU Dublin. But you mentioned there you started out as an apprentice. Yes. Absolutely. In what in what uh, craft? Yeah, so I was a plasterer, um, uh, and I worked for a company called GNR Plastering at the time, and Dublin Castle was actually uh, being renovated at the time. So I'd done a lot of served a lot of my time there. It was kind of mold work, but there was also new methods at the time, which was the the, the metal systems as well. Um, can you take us? Can you take us through your career then? Because I think this is really <laughs> interesting. No, but I, but this yeah. is this is exactly. The, the message we're trying to get out that a career in construction isn't what you think it is. And it can be lots of different things where you're encouraged not just to follow your interests, but really lean into some areas or passions Absolutely. that you might have. So can you talk us how kind of you went from from being a plasterer and working on one yep. of your early jobs there at <laughs> Dublin Castle to the position you hold today? Yeah. So, well, I, I think a key point was um, Bolton Street. Now, I know we're called the Technological University Dublin now, but at the time it was the Dublin Institute of Technology, but we just knew it as Bolton Street. And we used to one day release a week. Uh, so I, I think I had Fridays um, in Bolton Street at the time. And the staff in there, they'd all come from uh, either an apprenticeship or a work-based background. 
And he, they treated us with a lot of respect. He encouraged us to go on and study more. So it was while I was in Bolton Street, I started doing some part-time courses in the evening time. I started doing additional city and guilds that were offered at the time as well as the, the Department of Education exam, which was the National Craft exam for apprenticeship at the time. Um, and that's changed to the new standard-based system Um but they always encourage us to to look at education and, and pursue more. And I think that was part of the vocational educational training uh, approach at the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I done some evening courses. I also had some interest outside in community uh, and community uh, work. So I was doing voluntary work as well. Um, and I got the interest to go back to, to education. And so I started doing some diplomas. I was minute on a diploma in youth studies and community development for some of the voluntary work. And once I start getting back into the education system and realizing, you know, the barriers that are there are barriers that you're making yourself, um, that we all have the capacity to engage in education and training at whatever level we feel comfortable doing. And the support there from the staff in these institutes, the public funded institutes, the staff are there to support learners. So once that um, kind of barrier started to fall, then I, I decided, well, okay, I, I, I want to get some more professional training and I've done a degree uh, in psychology and sociology. Um, and then I done the master's in education, training and management. And then eventually ended up through support from DIT because they ran, uh, I. I I started working in DIT part-time, uh, but they ran an excellent program to support staff to do advanced qualifications. Um, and actually they paid for, for my fees to do uh, the doctors in education in Trinity College Dublin, um, which was a challenge to do an excellent program. Uh, yeah, it was a challenge, but because doing the degree, the master, you're building up capacity, when it comes to the stage, you know you're ready uh, to, to do it. Um, and then I, I, I kind of looking back and say, okay, well, that was my journey. How do I get that message across to young people today? Look, it's all open for you. You can start here, but you don't know where you're going to end up. You can be a CEO of a company. Uh, you know, you can be a politician. You know, lots of people have started through apprenticeship, doing different, through different routes. But... I go back to the same values of my colleagues in, in vocational education and training. Education is the pathway, um, and we're here to help. Um, so I, I, I see all colleagues in, in TUD, we, we look after apprentices when they come in, and we do encourage them uh, to pursue and think of uh, when they're qualified, moving. Uh, you know, well, you don't have to move, but just keep your qualifications relevant and up-to-date and we're looking at that indeed I, I, I think I was saying we had a, a European Erasmus group over of teachers uh, employers it's a mixed group there was 30 people over uh, national agencies and they wanted to see uh, what we were doing here we were looking at actually green skills and micro credentials so we're looking at short courses that are relevant to the green skills area and the opportunities that's there um, and indeed we brought them to the rds and they were kind of blown away by what they've seen in the rds um and the uh, ireland skills but um they, they were kind of saying well okay 
So for for there and these these are colleagues from Sweden, Spain, Latvia, Bulgaria. They were saying, okay, how can we do what you're doing here? <laughs> you know, they they saw there was something unique happening here, and I think sometimes the Irish education and training system and a whole system from second level teachers to further education and training and vocational teachers and mm-hmm. Irish, sometimes we don't value our achievements you know we, we take it for granted but i think we are really at a kind of cutting edge point um i i think we have the support from the minister and, and his department uh the hta is providing funding solace is providing funding um so i i think there's a lot of opportunities for us to really kind of push this out and i think the whole area of micro-credentials and small chunks of mm. accredited programs that can be stacked together can assist uh, uh, workers, uh, you know, not just apprentices, but workers who are lifelong learners build up qualifications while they're in work. Um, they're accessible and flexible, but are relevant to mm-hmm. the workplace and that can assist them in their career paths. Yeah, yeah. Aidan, thank you so much for sharing that with us, because actually that that really is kind of a full circle moment. And <laughs> and, uh, you know, look, just to reiterate that point you made, because I'd like for that to be one of the key takeaways from today, that educa- uh, education is absolutely the pathway. It's absolutely the pathway. Um, however you choose to do it. Do it um, yes. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you to do it. I think it's really interesting um, that part of your learning journey took you kind of to psychology and sociology that's probably how you're in a position to really um in a very empathetic way bring apprentices into this journey now and you know again it it bears repeating that point you made there that barriers that that so many of the barriers are the ones we put there ourselves and i think you know it can take it can take a certain amount of learning to even come to that conclusion for people so maybe there's there's a journey to get to even that far um but i suppose in before we finish up today how can people get involved because you know one of the things we're always trying to do is showcase what a career in uh, what a what a, a contemporary career in construction looks like but how can people who maybe aren't familiar just get involved yeah, I think, and I, I think we also need to, uh, and uh, the European Commission, and, and, and I know TUD and the Minister have been pushing for this. So we want to broaden the participation base in apprenticeship. Currently, um, young young girls, females, their, their level of participation in apprenticeship um, is quite low. We want to expand that. Apprenticeship is there for everyone. Um, and it's a quality career path with a recognised qualification. Um, so we're trying to break down the barriers there. Um, there's been some good initiatives at second level with career guidance councils and engaging with schools and parents saying, look, apprenticeship is not just for males. It's, you know, it's for everybody. Um, so. We'd like to get that message across. And I think colleagues in TUD, uh, Jennifer Bourne on that, they've been doing excellent work on promoting female participation in apprenticeship. And that's crucial. That's something, and I think the employers are supporting this. The employers are putting, they're aware, okay, if there's, there's different conditions that need to be put in place in the workplace, they're, they're putting them in place. So, you know, I think 
we really need to push that, that our apprenticeship is open to boys and girls, uh, men and women. It's, it's completely open and it's a quality career path. Two, uh, your level of qualification is recognised at our national qualifications framework and the European qualifications framework. So not only have you got access to progression routes in Ireland, you can travel anywhere you want in the European Union, which is a brilliant opportunity. It's a passport to work on any construction site throughout Europe. And then three, it's a career path to move into management posts or uh, expert posts or highly technical posts or become self-employed because you can become self-employed as well. And that's a real option these days because uh, the construction sector is booming. Um, uh, Housing for all the targets of of over 33,000 units a year for up until 2030. That's massive. And that's changed the way we're using materials, the way we design units, the work process we use. So, for example, not all construction is done on a construction site now. It can be done in prefabrication and and large technological uh, centres. So the way they build a Tesla car, we're going to be building houses like that very, very soon. It's all done, prefabricated and put up on site. So we need new apprenticeships. Uh, to deal with that. We need new apprenticeships in energy, new apprenticeships in retrofitting, all the green technology in water management. And then also we need apprenticeships at management level for risk assessment, for quality assurance, for advice on all these new technologies. So there's so many opportunities um, that will be available for young people in new apprenticeship areas. And the first thing that we're asking employers, okay, so what skills do you need for five years time? Because if we start now, the apprenticeship is going to qualify in four to five years' time. We want to give them the relevant skills now so they're prepared to go into the workplace uh, as soon as they qualify. Yeah, that future, the future-proofing element is so important. And look, I, I'm conscious that there are so many opportunities. Where's the starting point? Is there a central, yeah. is there a central website or where do yeah, you start? So, yeah, so the, 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 the National Apprenticeship Office is now up and running. Um, so you can look at their website, the National Apprenticeship Office. You can look at the Sullis website, which has a lot of information on it. Or if you type Generation Apprenticeship, that will bring you onto the three sites and you get all our information so the key point for an apprentice you need an employer first so start looking at the employers in your area or region and say look i'd like to become an apprentice um, and they register you with solace that's a key thing because for a formal apprenticeship you need to be registered and the employer needs to be registered so good good quality employers they're all registered they're available on, on the Solus website. You'll see them there. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, the, the linkage with the CAO, that will be up and running. Um, and, and you'll be able to go through that process as well. So, but they're, they're the first point of call. So generation apprenticeship, type into any search engine, Solus, any search engine, or um, put in the National Apprenticeship Office into any search engine, and you'll get all the starting details. Super. Uh, thank you so much, Aidan, for taking us through that today and indeed for sharing your own story, which is just so interesting. And it's exactly the message that we want to be getting out that 
that um, right now a, a career in, in contemporary construction doesn't look like it did 10, 20, 30 years ago. And there are so many opportunities um, that are that are worth exploring. And by the way, we've talked about apprenticeships maybe at very early stage careers, but obviously um, this is something that's worth considering. And a career in construction is something that's worth considering. Absolutely. At any stage of your career. So yep. thank you so much for that. That was okay. uh, doc- Dr. Aidan Kenny, Apprenticeship Manager at the School of Architecture, uh, Building and Engineering at TU Dublin. And that's all we have time for today. My thanks to show producer Katie Talon and to the production team at Hear Me Roar Media. Also, thanks to Place Engage for making these conversations possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out some of our other real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio. And thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio.